What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. This is an awesome interview with John Tillery. John Tillery is a coach on the PGA Tour. He coaches guys like Kevin Kisner, Scott Brown, Bryce Garnett, Michael Kim, Roberto Castro. He's just got an awesome stable of players. Uh, John's one of the up-and-coming coaches on the PGA Tour, been named as one of the top instructors by Golf Digest. He's a good old Georgia boy. And this is a fun episode because Pat and I got to do this interview in person at John's teaching facility at Lake Oconee in Georgia. It was a lot of fun. It was late at night. There were a couple of a couple of bottles of wine involved, but we had a wonderful time. John was gracious. You can also catch this video version of this podcast on YouTube. That was a lot of fun. It may not be up by the time you're listening, but it will be shortly. You want to be on the lookout for that. The audio is a little different. We're all sitting around the table. You have to bear with us, but there is some incredible, incredible content on this episode here. As always, it's presented by our friends at mybookie.ag. If you've not already got on mybookie, the golf offerings are increasing rapidly. They keep offering better and better stuff. I mean, uh, three ball bets, first round leader bets outright, top 10s, top 20s head-to-heads, all kind of fun stuff. Now live betting at the end of every round. It's just, uh, it keeps getting better and better. So go to mybookie.ag and use promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, when you sign up and you get a 50% deposit bonus when you deposit at least $50 and up to $1,000. So mybookie.ag, promo code TOURJUNKIES, this is going to be good. This is going to be really, really good. Here you go. All right, golf addicts. I'm excited about this one. This has never been done before. Cheers to our friend John Tillery. John Tillery Golf. Tour Junkies sitting here at lovely Cuscawilla in the uh, the Learning Center. Is that what you call it? Teaching Center. The teaching. Subjectively, yeah, because I feel like the learning center is club. You're kind of going off a club pro guy. Okay, yeah, because learning side. implies that I'm actually learning. Yes, because teaching, like you're gonna teach, but I'm I may assuming, not learn I'm a damn thing. Too much responsibility if I call it a learning center. Right. right. Okay. I may do my job. You may do your job. I don't yeah, know yeah. I teach. I don't know about learn. Definitely a teaching center. Okay. It takes a lot of time. And after today, definitely a teaching center. Maybe you could call it the confusion center. Confusion Center, yeah. Confusion I didn't realize Center. This is where we were starting, but it's not know. really. But you know, this is a this is a free flowing podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. We are. This is the first time. I'm really excited about this. Tour Junkies has been around over three years now. We have never done a live podcast interview. We've done live podcasts between and, yeah, you and me, yeah. but we've never had a guest live and in person in the flesh because we have jobs. We have tr- we have wives. We have kids. We can't like travel the world and right. meet so and so wherever they are. Yeah. But as does our guest tonight, he has all the same things we. He have. does, yeah, and more so. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to have John Tillery here. Um, he's he's a guy that we've met. We we met through Kevin Kisner, I guess, the Kisner Foundation events. PGA Tour coach at J Tillery Golf on Twitter and Instagram. If you're not already following, you should. PGA Tour Coach, Director of Instruction here at Cuscawilla, which is kind of in between Augusta and Atlanta, um, right here on Lake, lovely Lake Oconee. Former golf or college golfer, mini tour player, um, former Golf Digest teacher, uh, like America's Best Teacher guy, I guess, right? All the accolades. Yeah, we got got some accolades. (laughs) Um, They made it to the T's. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're having a great time. We've, we've spent some time here. Um, you've been breaking down our, our swings and trying to help us out a little bit. And tonight, we just want to kick it, and we want to talk about what it's like to be a coach on the PJ Tour. We want to learn a little bit about what you do and just have a good time. I'm in. Um, we're drinking a little Camus, a little duck horn. Um, top notch only. Top, top shelf only. I mean, great. Uh, you know, Pat I am Gru- kind of the wine snob, right? Yeah. So. Gated communities yeah. in Camus. That's right. It's okay. kind of a it's kind of a thing. Um, well, I, I, let's start. Let's start. Let, let's talk about what you because everybody. We're going to get into some of the nitty gritty, but everybody's going to want to know like, why do I care what this guy has to say? Right. Fair and, enough. And you know that the biggest thing is like they want to know who you're teaching. So who are you teaching right now? Um, so Kiz, Scott Brown, Bryce Garnett, Roberto Castro, Michael Kim. Um, okay. Smiley, helping him for a couple months. Been a lot of fun. Um, and then I got a couple web guys too. Okay. I really hope I didn't forget anybody. <laughs> Who are the web guys? Do you know? Uh, Jack McGuire. I've okay. helped Ben Coles for a long time. I haven't seen him much. He moved. Ben Folds or Ben Coles? Ben Folds. Ben Folds five. He was a great musician. Yeah. Ben Coles has <laughs> been around for a little while. Kenny Bowler. Yeah. He's a great dude. I haven't seen him in a while. He? I miss him. He's he packed. Yeah. He's moved. Um, He's way that? over married, I think. Or mm. and, he played uh, for what is moved, it? What did he play for? Him, what but. college did he play for? Virginia, Virginia yeah. Virginia, yeah. See, wow, you always get on. So David gets on me all the time because he like there'll be a guy that comes up on tour. Like uh, last week, it was Hick, Hickok. Or yeah, whatever. he didn't know who Kramer Hickok. Yeah, and I was like, like that. What? I was like, who the fuck is Kramer Hickok? And Dave, sorry, we're already already gonna put we, the e, e tag on this one. We, but, and I was, and then David. We, we only me, do this for a halfway living. And then David gives me a bunch of crap about it, like because I didn't know who the guy was. He's like, oh, he, he was roommates with Jordan Spieth and whatever. And then, but by the way, I went back and looked at that, and like he's like Jordan Spieth's like four years old. So they were like roommates when I mean that's a weird combination. Anyway, I didn't know who it was, and so he gives me a lot of shit mm. because I don't know some of these players, but well, I do know. Who calls us? It's not about you though, Pat. It's really about John tonight. All right. <laughs> sorry, so can I'm you sorry. just kind of hold your horses a little bit? Um, <clears throat> the wine, you know, this is good wine. Very this excited. is good wine. Very We're very excited. We haven't even got to the Camus yet. You know, um, Kiz, buddy of ours, obviously coaches Kiz, Brownie. Did you know this, John? I bet you didn't know this. I'm about to tell you something that you probably didn't know. You know, the first guest ever on the P- on the Tour Junkies podcast was. Kids? Scott Brown. Scott Brown. It was actually Scott Brown. First guest we ever had. First guest really? we ever had. And and actually, um, random tour junkies trivia. The first actually we had two interviews on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did we were so nervous. We were so nervous because we never at the time nobody was really interviewing PGA tour players. Even like No Laying Up wasn't even really interviewing PGA tour players at the time. This was like Late 2015. Did I say Bryce Garnett? Now that I'm looking at these, guys. yes, you did. <laughs> you did. You said. Good. I think you, you did said say Bryce. He's like one of the greatest. John is coaching player. Bryce Garnett, who's also a good dude. People. Bryce, if you're listening, he he did. He's not. Sure. But anyway, he, one of our first experiences man. interviewing a PJ Tour pro was late 2015. We went to Pat's dad's office because it was the quietest place we could find. Right. He, he's a he's a, he's a CPA, so he's an accountant. So it's quiet yeah. around there. Yeah. He's running. Just and, and we, as quiet as a we, teaching center at 9.30 at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, not this teaching center. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but we actually we actually landed an interview with Scott Brown and John Peterson out of LSU yeah. on the same day, and we had them back to back. And I remember we interviewed them, and me and Pat thought, we got, we "Holy, got. holy crap! We have, we have, we have, we have." We've cracked the code. We have cracked the code. Right. Big things are about to happen. Right. No offense to John or Scott, but such yeah. did not happen. Yeah. Um, but they were great interviews. Great mm-hmm. interviews. Great guys. Uh, we love Brownie and, and Jay Pete. He's a good dude. Hilarious guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about you, though. PGA Tour, like you, PGA Tour coach, how does one, how did you get into this, this circus of being a PGA Tour coach? How did it happen for you? Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the interview so far. This is the first and only time we're going to interrupt this interview, but we just want to ask you a very simple question. If you enjoy our content, would you mind heading over to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review? We do all this stuff for free. You don't pay for any Tour Junkies content. We're coming up on four years doing this right now, and it's a lot of work. We really love it. We enjoy it. We appreciate all of you, and if you appreciate some of the stuff we do, even if our information sucks, if we make you laugh from time to time or you enjoy interviews like this, please consider going to iTunes, looking up our our podcast, and leaving us a review. Even if you don't listen on iTunes, it would be fantastic. And if you've left a review in the past, you can actually go in and update it, make it better, make it funny, whatever you want to do, just make it five stars, and that helps us too. Really, all it does is it helps us rank higher in iTunes, helps people find the show, helps people enjoy the show, and it helps us a lot. So we would appreciate it genuinely from our hearts, no matter who you are, where you listen, what you do, we do appreciate it. You guys are the best. We have so much fun doing this. Now enjoy the rest of John Tillery. Um, it's funny, you know. We so a lot of coaches almost. It's almost as if they. You almost want the story to be that you set out to be a coach. Mm-hmm. You're going to do this, that, and the other, and you have these big elaborate stories. Um, mine's pretty simple, like. I just I flunked out me to a player um, so I was a golf junkie loved it still do but I mean loved practice beat balls to no end worked with everybody in the world you know couldn't get enough couldn't learn enough couldn't get enough so in my mind it was like if I had the answer I could get better you know so somebody would send me off come back like this and then you'd be better, and then I'd come back like that and not be better. So basically, I never set out to teach, and I never, I definitely never set out to teach tour players. Um, I wanted to play, wasn't good enough, couldn't hack it, and just could not um, uncover enough answers to figure out why I couldn't make it, you know. And like in hindsight, like I look back at it, and I'm like, man, that kid had no chance. Like even if he was good, like the process that I did and the. Um, the whole thing that I went through, there's just no way that it was going to work in hindsight. But anyway, to answer your question, long story short is I didn't, I never set out to teach. I set out to, to play. And along that journey, I just got super infatuated with why I couldn't get better. And um, so then I guess along the way, um, played in college, played, ran around mini tours, bro, you know, um, couldn't hack it. And um, dated a girl forever, and remember broke, living out of a, out of a suitcase, and uh, got in the golf business. And I was obviously teaching a lot there, and uh, it just kind of grew, 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 grew. Obviously, speaking of Brownie, 
Um, Brownie, start working Brownie. Brownie wins Puerto Rico, which is this week, mm-hmm. and I guess 13. You were working with him then? Yeah, so we start working together just a few months before that. So okay. he wins, and you know, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Web, start conditional web, whatever, maybe it's full web, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, that kind of kick-started him, and then, um, and then him and kids are obviously boys, living Aiken, and, um, kids were struggling, and then kids came saw me, and then, and it just kind of took off from there. So, I didn't realize this, so, so, Brownie came before kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, okay, because I, I was always thinking that Kiz was sort of the, the, the mm. man first. No, nah, Brandon's Brandon, my boy. Brandon's my guy. Um, he's the OG. He's the OG. And, and what's funny about it is... He's our OG. Yeah, that's right. Y'all's we share OG. We share OG. Brownie was our... He popped our cherries. Yep. And, Thank uh, you, Brownie. <laughs> and Kiz would tell you this, too. When I was going down, like, Palmetto... I'd go down there and work with him. They'd come here, and I'd, or Brandon would come here, and then I'd go down there. And, um, and kids would tell you that when I was first going around, like, Brownie, what's funny is, like, Brownie was the stud. Brownie was the horse, you know? Yeah, and yeah. We'd go down there, and I wasn't working with kids, but obviously kids practice there, and Brownie are tight, so we'd go and play. And, you know, Brownie just thump them, you know? And I remember one day, actually, I remember Brownie going, I don't remember how it came about, but one way or the other, Brownie ended up playing with no woods. So he's on the golf course with nothing but irons, and he, um, him and kids were gambling or whatever. He just running circles around him, and um, <laughs> and so Brownie was just so, he, you know he's such a horse, like such a hard worker, and um, and then you know obviously then kids kind of was struggling. He came aboard, and you know he's super talented and. So, so when, when uh, for kids, because I mean, I know like before he came to you, I mean, he, he, he was on the web, I think at the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and then obviously he's taken off on the, on the tour and this one, you know, two tour events and has contended in majors and everything. So when he came to you, like what was the first noticeable thing that you saw with kids that you, you needed to get him to the next level? Like what was, what was the biggest concern from his standpoint, from your standpoint, like what to to be able to get him to a net because he was, right, right. you know, he's he's always been a talented guy. You yeah. know, you played for Georgia, whatever else. Right. Um, but you really, you really got helped get him sort of to the level he's at now. I mean, you're you're probably not going to admit that, but you did. So, like, what was the what was the process there, and what were y'all most working on? Uh, so, kids text me from. Like the seventeenth hole, some web event, bent down behind his bag and said, "Kind of had it. Can I come see you this weekend?" And he was on like a Friday. He's about to jack the cut at some web event, Iowa or Idaho, wherever. And um, so he takes me, and then he came the next day, and we worked for like three hours. And honestly, the first I bet almost almost hour. I've told the story a bunch, but. Almost hour, I was just kind of watching him, and you know, getting numbers, getting videos, getting data, listening, listening to him talk, see a shot, ask him what he, you know, what's that, why do you think that happens, this kind of stuff. And um, and I hadn't said a whole lot, right? So about forty five minutes in, he says, um, he's he's pounding away, you know, boom, rapid fire, knocking eight irons off the right door of the building, you know. <laughs> 
And um, he's like, he stops at balls, like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I'm just trying to figure out where to start. Um, and I said that in the sense of like how to lay this out to you, <laughs> not like you're a Not like there's so many issues. Right. And on. he still won't let That's me That's what live. you said to me. <laughs> so yeah. he, he still won't let me live it down, you know. Um, but but basically, nice. it's like for kids, it was a bunch of, you know, the goods and the bads, right? The, I guess the bads, to answer your question, were it was like how many ways can you possibly be steep, you know? So kids was steep, hill hitting it, you know, hitting it down on a bunch, hitting on the hill and um, driving it kind of wild. He's got enough speed to be, you know, people people act like, if you listen to commentators talk, that like he's throwing his ball down the fairway. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's hitting it 300 yards, you know, so he, he gets it out there. Yeah. But obviously compared to the freaks that he's yeah. competing against, he's not, he's yeah. quote, short, right? It's not short, but short against a bunch of animals. <laughs> and, um... So he he has to hit at the golf. He has to put his ball in play. You know he's got to know which way his ball's going, and um, and he's such a good putter. He can kind of take it from there. And uh, so he, so he was so steep and heel hitting it and wild. And that was the bad. And there was a bunch of reasons why. Um, but one thing that he said to me, like the reason I knew that Kiz was a stud. I mean, forget the. Georgia and All American every year, and he was one of the first. I don't know, whatever it was, four years in a row, and um, or never missed a tournament through qualifying or whatever the story yeah, was. Yeah, you know? no, so I mean, he, yeah. was, he was a player. We but, don't need to talk up. Yeah, get, yeah. Get himself. Yeah, we don't need to blow anymore. his head up any yeah. anymore. But he told me I'll never forget. He's whacking these eight irons. He's hitting like nine down, eight irons, whacking them off the hill, hitting 130 yards, and that way um, out of the building. And then he's we get talking. He's and I'll never forget him telling me, if you just if you just give me the right information, I'll win out there. And I remember thinking, this guy's insane. Like win out where, you know. And he's talking like I'll I'll win tournaments on PJ Tour if you just tell me the right stuff. And you know, as insane at the time, it was like a double whammy. It was like this guy's crazy slash. He's wired different, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like if he actually does get good and gets going mm-hmm. and stands over a golf ball and knows it's going to make the right noise mm-hmm. and have the right shape, like he he ain't scared. Yeah. And um, so anyway, so we kind of took off on a little journey. And, you know, in hindsight, it turns into some big success story. But the truth is we went months where we were grinding, fighting back and forth, you know, early on on that. I mean, mm-hmm. we worked tirelessly. Un- I bet we spent 200 hours together. Mm-hmm. You know, the first year or so before. And that was in like whatever it was, thirteen, summer of thirteen through fourteen, you know, and then fifteen was you know, started at whatever it was, Hilton Head, and then players, mm-hmm. and then, you know, kinda of snowballed from there. But there was a lot of like that story that story gets told two two ways that it gets told I guess bad is one, as if he was like swinging and missing when he showed up, you know, and he for sure, he wasn't going to be able to compete on PJ Tour, but he had he had won on the Web Tour. Like he had mm-hmm. his card locked up. He was headed to the tour. Yeah, it's not like this guy was terrible. Mm-hmm. And then two, it gets told in the, in, the, in the light of like he showed up and I sprinkled some fairy dust on him and he was great. And it's, that's not true at all, you know. So in terms of like coaching on the PJ Tour, are you? known for anything like because I know we know a couple coaches on the PJ Tour 
And like one of them, I think you would say would be more of a short game guy. Are you like a swing guy, a short game guy, a mental guy, a little bit of everything guy? Or do you just think that's crazy? Like we know a couple guys that would say they're X. What would you say? No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit of everything, but I mean, I'm obviously, I am wet, super heavy on full swing. Okay. So a couple of my guys have short game teachers. Yeah. Um, a few of my guys, I do everything. Yeah. And then I don't think you can be a good coach and not be a sports psychologist to some degree. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. So what? one of the interesting things that, that we've wondered is um, how are – this is – and take your time on this, but a lot of our listeners want to know, like, how caddies are paid. How are tour coaches played? Paid. paid. How are PGA Tour coaches like yourself paid <clears throat> by the players? So there's a few different models. Um, the way the way my deal personally is set up is that I get paid a, a kind of basically a base or a salary, which pretty much affords me to be able to chase them around the country, and then I get paid a small percentage off of what they make at so, each event. Yeah. So official earnings, uh-huh. I get a little piece of it, right? Um, and I, I set that up on, on purpose and most, uh, most guys are that way. There's some people that kind of have like a stock salary or like a, this is what you paid me for the year. And I never want to do that because, um, I don't want my guys going to a tournament going, I'm paying this guy this no matter what. Like I could, you know, make a hundred grand this year and lose my card and he still gets whatever, you know? So there's a, there's a performance. Yeah. So my stuff's performance performance based, right? So, for me to do any good, my guys need to play good. So yeah. we're we're in this war together, kind of. Is is it like caddies in the sense that like mm-hmm. if you if your guys get if your guys win or they top ten, top twenty five, like is yeah. there anything built in like that? Not really. I mean, some of um, you know people have different things kind of written in all kind of performance like incentives or mm-hmm. if this and that bonuses or whatever. And to a huge to a huge degree, mine is just I get a piece of what you make. So yeah, you know, for me to do any good, my guys need to play good. Yeah, I feel like you skipped my question. Though, really no, good. I was about to go back to it. I I was trying to go in the flow. Edit me, Would you like? To, I, I was going to ask your question, but why don't you? Yeah, ask you it? can ask it. No, I love like the question because I like this question. So yeah, why don't you ask it? Okay, so I, I just have to know. So. <laughs> I gotta, so I know you travel a lot on tour. So you're you're out with these guys, and you probably got planned travel, right? Yeah. So 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 weeks like like this week, you're you're not planned to be out there on tour with these guys. But what what? Instead, would, you're here with us. You're instead you're here with Jeez. us. What would Ugh. constitute a tour emergency? Like let like let's just say you're here with us. Yeah. And you need to be out there on tour with those guys. Like, right. what, what's gonna what's gonna be the the tour emergency? I've had it before. I've had it okay, before where, where I've had a player call me. It we we could be sitting right here and say, basically like, yeah, I need you. I'm lost or whatever it may be. Um, and we're, and I have literally packed up before and gone to the other end of the country. You know, on a 10 minutes notice. Um, but what would constitute it, I guess, a long time ago, would pretty much just be if it didn't take much, probably. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a little different now. We're all older. 
all my guys kind of know what we're working on. Everybody's kind of, I would say, I would like to say at least that everybody's on board with what the plan is. And, and you know, because for me, if my guys do that, I'm not doing a great job. Hmm. If they yeah. can ever be that lost, that panicked, just because I'm not there, then I'm not doing a good job teaching. Hmm. Um, so now I hope that nothing would constitute it. Back in the day, back when I wasn't as good of a teacher, it was um, probably more common. But I haven't had like a 911. So no When's the last 911 you had? Last 911 was like Riviera four or five years ago. Who was it? Brown. What what he what was what was but Brown? The see, like Brown's such a horse. Like he's such a stud. He's never gonna say like, "Come, see, you know, you, you gotta pack up and come see me." So but his I call just was him, just like, um, "I just know him well enough, and where we going back and forth." And I was, you know, what it's better off for me. I just, I'll, I'll just come see you. Um, but he is, he like owns his stuff so much more now, which is what you want as a coach, right? And it's, and it's a weird little breakup mm-hmm. from having like that ownership and that control over it to, um, you know, to your kid. It's like a kid like walking up to school and be like, "Daddy, like, no, hold my hand no more." Like, yeah, my buddy, my buddies are gonna see me. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's what I mean. Like that. It's like that hurts your feelings, but that's like, so what you want, right? Yeah. yeah, you want them to kind of grow up and own it and be their own guy and do their own thing, and um, and uh, so that's kind of that's where that's gone to I've had it before like I said but I haven't had one of those in a long long time which I think is a good thing yeah which I would I would still pack up like I love my guys like I obsess over my guys right you can't do what I do and be any good at it and um, and not be basically obsessed with it so if if my guys need me I'm always there but I feel like I've done a better job of explaining and guys understanding what the program is what this means, what that means, associations, how to train it, you know, like I said, what it means, what I do about it, to where it's like there's never that panic of, like, you can't leave this building, here's a calculus problem, and you can't leave until you solve it, versus you can't leave until you solve it, but here's the formula. When you when you watch golf, or like when you watch your boys on TV, are you looking for swing issues course management issues or like are you looking for indicators of like what they may be doing well or maybe not doing well if you're not there in person yeah so i mean i've videoed a thousand golf swings off of a television before yeah in coverage you know and and a lot of it is for me and then just to kind of have it in case they say did you see blah blah Uh blah or on this i felt this today or and you kind of got some ammo you're already kind of ahead of it where you go like, look, dog, you get this, 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 you know, just make sure you remember that if blank, then blank. Uh-huh. Um, but from, like, a course management standpoint, and we talked about this, like, at dinner, um, I think, and I mean this in all sincerity, like, I think that a caddy is an insanely important part of the team. Yeah. Hashtag we love L2 King. <laughs> me and John. Me and John. Right. Yeah, I, I Pat, not, I Pat not so much. Yeah. Poor guy. Elitist. Yeah. Poor guy. I won't I won't go there or get into my opinions on that. But <laughs> like, what, can we, it, we can go over that on another one. Yeah, let's wait till the next yeah. one at least. 
But what I was going to say is, like, on a strategy standpoint, like, I think that I'm super hesitant to throw my opinion in on that because it's almost like a direct hit to the caddy, mm, mm-hmm. right? And I know what those guys do, and I know how good they are. The large majority of them, at least my guys, I don't know. My guys, caddies, are, like, I'd be very tiptoe to ever say anything about it because, you know, those guys take a lot of pride in what they do. And, and um, so, because it's easy to do, right? It's easy to look at Shot Tracker and go, like, how the blank could you ever hit a shot to here? Like, you mm-hmm. hit it down the middle of the fairway, and it's in the rough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's three at altitude and whatever, and it's 310 or whatever, 320 to the end of the fairway. You pipe a driver down the middle, and you're in layup rough. Like, what are y'all doing? Or you lay up on a par five and you hit a bunker and you got a 50-yard bunker shot. Like, what the crap are you thinking? But, like, I know that would be just somebody looking at a shot tracker. But I know the other side of it. And I know what all my guys' caddies put in. And, like, I know that I don't know all the pieces. Like, there's no chance that it's just, you know. Because the first time that you're like, what the blank are you doing? It's like, buddy, it was... We're at altitude, 20 miles an hour downwind, it landed on a sprinkler head. You know what I mean? You look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So this, these guys, these caddies are so good. And not only are they so good, they, you know, the whole bag toter thing, there's just not much of that out there anymore, right? Right. Not these even l gonna. These guys are going to expose, they're going to utilize every advantage they can get. And you just don't really see it much anymore. They're playing for a million dollars a week, so nobody's going to leave shots uncovered. So that that deal of the caddies being the best. Put up, shut up, keep up. That, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, it's bull. L2 Cam, by the way, is not a regular tour caddy. Let's just make that clear. Are, are there so times... If we're going to go that route... Are there times where you're like, like Dwayne Bach, like where you feel like there's things that you need to pass on to Dwayne that you can't... Or you don't really want to pass on to kids, like where you're like, hey, oh, hey, yeah. Dewey, look out for this all the time. Uh-huh. You see, like, like me and Dewey have conversations. I, I bet me and Dewey have talked a million words that like kids never knew about. Ah, and Dewey's uh, a good, he's a good uh, player too. Yeah, but anyway. I'm talking about like golf stuff, not like, hey, isn't kids really an asshole? And Dewey's like, yeah, he is kind of an asshole. <laughs> I mean, like other like golf stuff. <laughs> No, I, no, that's what I mean. Like at at events, at tournaments, like me and dude talk. We talk a ton about strategy or what he's doing, or you know, like it's way easier for me to check in sometimes too with the with Dewey. Yeah, because the players, yeah. you know, like I have a yeah. if especially if I'm not there, I have a super. I'm like watching as like ghosts, like when the dude went running after the guy that killed him, or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm so removed from it, <laughs> and then. Um, the but the caddy is right in the middle of yeah. it, mm-hmm. but he's not emotionally attached to it like the player is. So, me seeing a shot tracker, a tour player, a player telling me what happened, and then a caddy that's actually there that can look at it objectively and say this is what happened. Like they're way better source of information for me than the player. So like I'll talk to Dewey after a round way before. Mm. I would rather if I had to have one of the other. I would rather hear Dewey's recap of mm. a round than, than kids. And it's nothing to do with kids. It's just you're you're the guy that's in the fight. You know? Yeah. Well, and he's probably got a more heightened awareness of what's going on. Because no, yeah. Because right in the middle of it, he's trying to, I mean, he's trying to 
put the put together a great round. That's right. But Dewey, on the other hand, is not only and he's trying to do all the other things outside yep. of that. So he's going to have a better viewpoint. And, and it's mind boggling the 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 differential sometimes between <laughs> one round of what, golf. What the player says versus somebody the caddy. said how the day yeah. was and the caddy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes they're not even related. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, I played good. You know, was pissed off about this on the last hole, and then his bad shot of this, couldn't get him to get over it, and then whatever, made two dumb mistakes and didn't make anything. Uh-huh. Other than that, was really solid. And the guy's like, kill me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my life's over. And the caddy's like, it's not, it's good, you know? Yeah. Or some, and sometimes it's vice versa. Sometimes it's like the other way around. Yeah. But the, but the caddies are a huge, like, source to me. So, like, for me, and what's always blowing my mind is, like, at that level, it's like, all right, we're playing for a bunch of money on the most competitive playing field on the planet, right? Like you, there ain't but a couple hundred of y'all on the earth that get to come here. No one's guaranteed anything. Mm-hmm. So there's no height, there's no agent signing some kid because he whatever, hadn't done anything, proved anything. It's like you earn your way here. And then once you show up where, you, where you've earned your way to, y'all go play for it. And that's how you get paid, right? Play, play bad, don't get paid. This is this is one thing we hear a lot, and this is I think this is true. I think it's, I think you will validate this. Is the most variable part of a person's golf game putting versus ball striking. In other words, if I'm a if I'm a great ball striker, I'm more likely to be a great ball striker day in and day out than if I'm a great putter because putting can come and go. Putting can be here one day and gone the next. Hmm. It can be gone gone today and here tomorrow. Like we, we get that a lot in what we do is like, all right, well, at least if I have a guy whose ball striking is on, but putting statistically can come and go and fluctuate. You know, if I've got a guy like Patrick Cantlay who just beats the center of the club face every time he hits a golf ball, but the putter, you just don't know. Like, you, it's just, that's the unknown. I would rather have that guy than the guy who is known for his putter, but his ball striking is all over the map. Yeah. I'd, I'd tend to agree with that. And, you know, you got all these statistical, like, backing from that, like Mark Brody, uh-huh. Scott Fawcett. Yep. Um, who've done awesome work, and, and you kind of, you know, back that up where it's like, hey, these... These guys that are winning are like striking their golf ball, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you know, I guess mm, if I ever you asked me if I had to have one guy or the other, mm-hmm. like the striper and putting's just a coin flip, or mm-hmm. the guy who puts real good and I don't know if he's gonna hit two fairways, mm-hmm. I'd for sure rather got have the guy that's gonna hit fourteen greens every day, mm-hmm. just because his ceiling is so much. I mean, it, well, his floor is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Like, he can only do so bad. That's why it's interesting to me when you say home life and then how's he putting. Yeah. Well, you're talking about winning a golf tournament. I'm filling out my fantasy team. Yeah, that's different. So, if a guy's like, you know, like, I've never been happier. My home life's great. Uh-huh. You know, I love my wife. Uh-huh. Kids are great. we got everything settled at home, you know. Like, I feel so good standing over putting my golf ball. It's like that. That's who I put my money behind, especially like that's if we're talking like a good player that's not been that way. Yeah. So it's like if you know I'm fighting, 
I'm unhappy, yeah. whatever at home. You know, I'm on my sixth putting coach of the year. That's that's the you know that's the fade guy. I'd I'd go all in on the dude that's like uh has been there, been there forever, been around forever, been good enough to stay out there forever. Yeah. But it's always had like screwed up shit going on around him, you know? Yeah. And when they start kind of putting those things together, like home and I've seen it personally with people that I've worked with past and and now. Um, I've just seen that direct correlation between like, are you the bad guy or are, you know, am I behind you from like at home and just how happy they are and content with what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you look at stats as a coach yeah. on your players? What, what stats, like that's a big part of what we do too, is like <clears throat> digging into stats mm-hmm. and you mentioned Mark Brody with all the strokes gain stuff, but there's all, there's other stuff there as well. What stats do you do you look at? What are your favorites? Are there any that out there that you think are are bogus? Whew, bogus. Well, I mean, I think a lot of the strokes gain stuff. Uh, there's no you could almost take a stat sheet and make it say whatever you wanted to. Yeah. So, to some extent, like I've been a part of, um, I have been around some things where you have a player that leans on stats as they should, right? But if the person that's given the stats, if they have a, if they're trying to tell a story, you can always tell that story. You can manipulate the numbers. Mm-hmm. You no want. doubt. Yeah. You can make, you can make a player believe whatever you need them to believe. Yeah. Right. And, um, um, and, and a lot of times it's true. I'm just saying it, maybe it's no one's fault or whatever. Maybe you could steer it one way or the other though. Um, but it's funny, like all the stat stuff. So, like strokes gain, putting for let's take that one for example. You could go around and putt terrible all day and just randomly hoot two fifty footers and wash it all away. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you just looked at that total for the day, mm-hmm. or you could take that, um, hey you gain point oh oh two, whatever it is, point oh two, I mean um, mm-hmm. strokes gain putting today. It's like, see, so gain strokes. It's like, well, my thing with that was always like, well, like 0.077th 0. place. Mm-hmm. You know, if I got some dude that's not slinging his golf ball there, if we're not hitting a golf ball 300 gazillion yards, like we can't, we can't do the 0.0 and beat anybody. Mm-hmm. You know? So, well, to answer your question, like I've gone to the depths of hell on, the put on the stats and kind of pull myself back where it was funny now. Like now I just go, if I have, if I know my guy's process, so my guy's got his crap together, he's smart, um, his caddy's the man. So I know that we're like picking the right shots, right? Cause like if that's not intact, you got no barometer. It's like, I mean, maybe, maybe dude's aiming every single pin. Hits a bunch of great shots that miss a green, right? But like if I have if I have if caddy's on board, players on board, everybody's running a, a system that makes sense, then I've almost gotten to where, for me and my guys, it's like all right, the most simple stat ever is like how many greens do you hit? Yep. You know, so like I know now most of my guys like I know where they're picking targets. 
So like if they miss a green, more than likely they hit a bad shot. And and that's not, you know, you can't assume that, right? Um, but with like you use Dewey or whatever, for example, right? Like so with say Dewey or like Hugh with Brownie, like if they miss a green, they hit a bad shot. It's not like they just grab the club, you know, it's front pin over a left bunker somewhere. And like I gotta pure this thing to cover the bunker. It's my top number. Mm-hmm. And like F it, I just made bogey bogey, I'm pissed off. Is eight iron. I'm gonna hammer it. Make me a birdie. I'm gonna fix this shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if that's going on, then the stats are impossible, right? But if I if I if I make that mm-hmm. not a factor, and I know that that's not happening, then every time my guys miss a green, they probably hit a bad shot, or they hit a shot that landed on the green and rolled over, or they misjudged the wind, whatever it may be. But generally speaking, I can kind of take. For me, I can kind of take greens and regulation. Yep. That's yeah. a pretty pretty good barometer on how my guys hit it. So so let me ask you let me ask you this um, course history. So so basically, what we do we we look at three things: course history, recent form, and stats, right? And all we're trying to do is, you know, based on this golf course and what we know of it and what we know it's produced in the past, what is the course fit for this golf course? Right. That looks different at Harbor Town than it does at Riviera, right? What yeah. is the course fit? Uh, who has the course history here, and who's playing well right now? Yeah. Of those three things, if you were completely absent of knowing what you what you get to know and being in a relationship with the caddies and the players and things like that, if you were in our position, like how number one, do you think course history is real? Because we have people that. People that think that course history is not real, that like, you know, a what's it? Anybody, like, anybody that's data driven, stat driven. They, they, they say, oh, they, like they, Bubba they, at Augusta is is not, you know, it's not. They, there's no reason that that's that 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 he's got. That good, they good play well history. year after year on yeah. that, right? Like so. A, what do you th- what are your thoughts on that? And then B, what are your how would you if you were evaluating players like we do? Like, where would you rank history versus recent form versus kind of a stat fit that you think worked for this golf course? Where do you rank those? Ooh. Uh, stat fit, say that one again. What was the last one? What was the third one? Yeah, like... Recent form, course history. And, and statistical fit, meaning like, okay, if we're at Harbortown, we know that... Um, you know, you're length, gonna have to hit. You're gonna have to hit fairways. That length is a, is not as much of an yeah. advantage maybe this week as necessary. So that means like a lot of players get pulled into this thing where they, they can win or um, you know it's a this is a wedge competition here. These right. are small greens. Like you got to pound these greens or this yeah. is POA. What do you like that kind of stat fit? Like basically saying, all right, statistically these are the golfers that perform well on this golf course, and here are the golfers that fit that that model. That. Course history, recent form. Those are the big three. Okay. How do you rank those? If you were predicting who was going to play well week to week, uh, let's pretend that we'll pretend that we're gambling. Right? We're picking, yeah, 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 picking yeah, teams yeah. for gambling. <laughs> yeah. If I was trying to figure out where to sling my money, like I would go back on, like I'm between these few dudes to put on my team. I'd probably go back in, in history. Um, the course history part, but I'd go back on not just whether or not they finished good there, but like if you just lined up a bunch of tour players and said, "Tell me your favorite 
few stops on tour. Mm-hmm. Right? Because so much of it, like what I think the statistical fit is probably the least. I'd, I'd rank it last. Because I've had guys win and almost win or be in contention places that had no business and then play terrible at places that fit them. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of like. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Just for, since that was not on video, well, I guess it was on video, but you put that in air quotes, fit them. Yeah. I think it's important. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, because, you know, you always have that. It's like, you should play so and so, go, man, that golf course fits you. Mm-hmm. And it's air like, quotes. you know, like air quotes. So. The places that fit you are the places that you like. Your brain's turned on because you like it. You're all in. Mm-hmm. You're committed. You're bought in. Like they treat. They literally, whether they know it or not, I've seen it. Like guys treat those weeks different. They gear up for them. They're looking forward to them. Kids made a comment a month ago about Hilton Head. It's at when you know it's three months away. I'm sure. It. Yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah. right. And it's not that it. Like, yes, of course, people are going to be, players are going to be trended towards liking courses that, quote, fit them. But it's, it's, uh, there's so much more to it, you know, that it goes in, that's involved in that, right? So, yeah. so I guess to answer your question, um, which one did we say? Statistical fits or whatever you, you said. You said that was, that course fit I, I, would be kind of last. Course fit, I would put that last. So, thoughts on course history as a thing. Like, courses for horses is what I'm saying. Yeah. In recent form. Like, how are they playing leading yeah, up yeah. to that event? Yeah, I'd almost kind of put those two together, right? Like, if I got if I got two, if I got both of those telling me good, that's one thing. So, like, perfect example would be, um, like, Brownie finished, whatever, ninth at uh, Tory, right? Had a chance a couple years ago before that, before, you know, getting like a tornado in there that final round. Had a chance to win the time before, right? Well, statistically, that doesn't doesn't fit, you know? No. Like Roberto said, he won, he won like when he finished ninth, he actually won the, the Immortals division, the Immortals flight. You know what I mean? Because, like, you look at that leaderboard, it's like, hey, you know, numbers one through five, um, you know, raise your hand if you hit it over 300 yards in there and all. I finished first, I got third, fourth. Fifth. You know what I mean? So. The Mortals Flight. Yeah, he won the Mortals Flight. But, like, you, what you can't, I think. That would be the Mortals Flight. Yeah. Right, what you can't put enough emphasis on is, like, the places that people want to be at. The courses that they want to be at, the courses they like, the courses they love to play, the courses they think they can win on. Um, so like, who knows, right? Like, it take like kids. Like, if kids have missed every cut at Hilton Head, it's like I, this this course fitting me thing is BS, right? Like we walked to, uh, I walked a practice round and um, a few weeks back, can't remember where we were now, Phoenix. A practice round with a. My guy, he's playing with the guys, not one of my guys, you know, and he's like, you know, all this, you should play here, you should play there. Um, it's that other one fits you. He's like, you know what, you know what fits me? What fits me is the course where I hit my golf ball in the fairway and then, like, I'm controlling my ball and, like, I putt good and I'm in a good mood. Like, that's the course that fits me. Like, there's no such thing as, like, you know, it's like everywhere I play good is, like, somewhere, that, uh-huh. you know, like, I finish good where I play good. So it's not like, oh, just go over here and do the same old crap as last week that missed the cut, and all of a sudden, like, um, you know, the, statistically it's a fit, and like all of a sudden you win, right? These guys are too good. You're not just going to show up somewhere and not have your crap together and p- contend just because statistically it fits you or you played good there in the past. 
So to me, it's like, for sure, like you got to train a dude like, man, this dude's been playing good. And he's headed into a place that he's played good at a bunch before. And every time an interview comes up or every time some pro-am dude asks him what's his favorite courses, he mentions it. That's where you want him. And it's like, last question, tell me about mama. Like, my wife is the best. (laughs) My wife is so good. (laughs) What is the biggest tell? For a player, like what, like what, like in poker, like there's a tell, there's so, you know, there's something that that shows you that 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 something's gonna go right. Well, I think that's where the uh, trends thing you're talking about gets messed up a little bit. Is like uh, just results. And don't get me wrong, like some dude's playing flawless, his trends are gonna match his golf pretty, you know, one for one. But a lot of times, like where a guy finishes in a tournament is not even is not is a long ways away from being indicative of how he played. Oof. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you go back through it's like so and so so and so finished, you know, miscut and then 50 50 50. He's heading this tournament like he's played good here before, but this guy's playing like crap. And then you sometimes you go back through it and you look at it. It's like the difference from 50th. The thing that blows my mind is like in hindsight and there's no way to control it I've, I've tried or, or or prevent it I should say but in hindsight it's like you look back at a guy that finishes the tournament and it's like he finished 50th place and like the difference between 50th and literally top 10 or 15th is nothing right it's like hitting a shot you weren't really ready to hit on this hole on this mm-hmm. day right um Letting your emotions, yeah, the margins your emotions are so small. talk you into uh, decide to hit this shot on the next hole. Yeah. You're still pissed off about it, then you three putt, whatever, or like get the next hole and like F it, I'm gonna hit this one right of the flag, I'm gonna make a birdie. Enough of this crap, and then you plug in a bunker and make double. Mm-hmm. You finish fiftieth, right? It's like you take those three things away, dude finish tenth. So sometimes like where how a guy's playing versus where he finishes, they just couldn't be any further apart. So that's where like recent form gets tough. God. What are we so doing? So I'm making your gambling picks impossible, right? Yeah, why are we even doing this? You see, so you see, I feel like we're way off. We need to be like no laying up and just do interviews. Yeah. So, so you see how... <laughs> so you see now... Uh, like you, It's impossible it's to impossible. get, to but guess. It is. And, like, and I don't do it much. I don't do it. But <laughs> if I were to gamble on golf, I way more like somebody me... The stories and listening to guys' mentality and their attitudes, whatever, in practice rounds, like that's where I, that's where my money. Falls. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, but you get the privilege of being there totally during the practice rounds. That's right. I mean, we can listen to press conferences on a Wednesday afternoon, mm-hmm. but those things don't always give you the real deal. Well, I mean, we or, and we always talk about. I mean, what we talk about is, I mean, golf is the most variable game. Variable game. Yeah. It so is. you're you're trying to find that just that you, little bit. You know Greg Harden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that little bit every week yeah. that you can go off of to try and predict whether or not that player is going to do well or not. And yeah. so that's I mean I think course history. The reason that comes up the most is because that's the easiest one to look at. Right, because, no doubt. Because yeah. you're looking at all right, all right. This guy was you know Bubba Watson. We'll take him for 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 the Masters. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, he plays well there. Seems to fit him well. So that's what you're going to go off of, and that's that's 
kind of what we have to go off of. Right. And and we know it's not even there. It's not the the greatest science there is. Right. But you know, there's some part of you that thinks of that that there's a the reason for that. Yeah. You know? No, that's fair. <clears throat> like you think of like Hilton Head, you think of Davis Love. Yeah. Or whatever, oh, right. Right. Boo Boo Weekly's done. Boo Weekly. Great day. Boo, right. So you, it it runs you right into like who knows where their golf ball's going, you know. Yeah. And Boo's like, how low you want this thing? <laughs> and it's gonna draw how much you want to draw. You know what I mean? And like I ain't so much worried about putting because like you can't hit these greens. Y'all can't hit the. I can hit the green. You can't hit the green. You might yeah. get a better putter than me. You don't get the putt. I do. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like that makes sense, right? Kids, same kind of thing. Like who knows where his ball's going? It's so hard to get on the greens. Once he rolls it up there on the green, he makes it, and then he gets tough. And he he shows up that week like, here you go, come on boys, hey, y'all come play my game. You know what I mean? Fairways get squeezed in, and you know where your ball's going. We have a little putting contest here. Um. You think of like Riviera, like when I think of Riviera, like I think of, I think of bangers. I think of Bubba, you know. I think of same thing Augusta, wherever. Yeah. Uh, Tory, you know, not necessarily Bubba, just Tory in general. Like I think of, man, like if I'm not just shipping it down there, it gets tough. But the thing is, but what's so interesting about it is like I have players who won't go to Tory, and then the some they're like, I don't care that it's a bomber, but it's like I. I can see me plotting myself around here, making birdies where I'm supposed to, never hitting my ball in the rough. Yeah, because you don't have like a stable of bomb. You don't have anybody in your stable that's like a bomber. No, I don't like I said, Kiz is not short. It's stupid that no. he's and Brandon is short. short, but he's not. He is, yeah, but but yeah. but you don't have like a you don't have any bombers. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't have any bombers. They're all bombers to me. They are. Like, compared yeah. to those guys, I don't have anyone. Yeah. They're not bombers to me. I ain't yeah, I saw that. I mean, you saw that today. And I, that eighty-two mile an hour. All right. So if you're, what's life on tour like for a PGA Tour coach? Like we we've had. You're you're now the second panics panic attacks. <laughs> You're, you're the second PGA Tour coach we've had on the podcast. We did have Scott Hamilton on the show one yes, time. That's my boy. Um, yeah, him. yeah, we know. Um, my guy. But you're the first one live on video. So, what's life like on tour? And who are, who else are you hanging out with? Yeah, it, who are your boys? Scott Hamilton, Hambone, Hambone's my boy. Mm-hmm. Um. So Hambone, and then once in a while I get the luxury of getting to hang out with VJ, Charlie, and Timmy Overton. Who? Two of my boys from Mississippi. Who are they? VJ and uh, Tim Yelverton. So they're both they're in Mississippi, and they got they're stud coaches, and they just they're not out of ton. But so when they come out, I have even a bigger family. But okay. But week in week out without my Mississippi, without the you know the. The later layer of the Redneck Mafia, I'm just it's just me and him but I'm holding it down. So, okay. Um, so yeah, me and him, I mean, we travel. We spend a lot of time together. We spend a lot of hotels together. We always joke about that if one quits, the other one's gonna quit because we couldn't do it by ourselves. Yeah. All right. So you get out. You get out for a round. This is just this is just JT on the normal normal round. Nothing, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
we talked about this on our podcast, I guess, a, a few weeks ago about the, the, the players that, that most annoy us. So for me, it was teacher guy. Yeah. It was the guy that it's yeah. not you. Yeah. It's the guy that comes out. You know, when I'm playing with the guy, and then I do something. He's like, "All right, well, here's what you're doing. You're doing this wrong, whatever." Because that guy pisses me off. Right. And then there's other, but there's there's other guys. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many different guys. So when, like when you're playing just a normal round, what annoys you the most? Uh, tour. <laughs> no pun intended. Tour jockey. <laughs> That's what like you know it's like my whole life. Dude, this and is then, our show. Yeah, sorry. No, he's not. He's. No. I think he's get. But like, it's the guy that wants to know everything. It's yeah. the yeah. guy asking all the questions we're asking you right now. Right. So like I just scold a chip across the green. It's like, hey, who's the biggest douchebag on tour? I'm like, kill you. You know, go drown yourself right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm so mad at my. I don't want to talk about tour players right now. You know. All right. Let me ask you this. Yeah. In terms of putting. And putting grass surfaces, mm. POA, Bermuda, bent. <clears throat> How big a deal is that green surface when it comes to guys who are familiar with a certain surface, do you think? How much is it truly an edge when a guy prefers one surface over another? So, you know, you go from the West Coast swing where it's a lot of POA. Yeah. Now we're about to hit the Florida swing yeah. where it's a lot of Bermuda. Um how much of an advantage do you see that in your own guys, depending on the putting surface? <clears throat> so, I guess what I would say is that I don't I don't have any like data that says like there's something about this grass that makes one putt worse, right? Like, well, it's a good putter, but if it gets whatever, you can't putt. Like, good putters are good putters. Hmm. But it's all like familiarity with it. See, right? we, we like we. See, that's what I think with kids because kids. Yeah, we look at that. Kids like, is a yeah, great listen, putter. Listen, he hate he is self admittedly said he hates Poe. Hates it, but he so, still like, is a good year, putter. Like y'all are right in the middle of my like K my my hate zone. But like, he still is a good putter. So January, February, or whatever. Yeah. Like I can't get to this hunt, and hunt is a disaster. Like the scariest place on the planet. Right? It's like. Hey, here's a hole. It's got 12 lakes. Let's go to the next hole. Guess what? 12 lakes. Wind's blowing in your face. Like, it's just impossible, right? Like, but, it, so it's like if Honda felt anywhere else on the schedule, like, I would hate it. But it's one of my favorite tournaments of the year because I get my guys out of West Coast, off California. Nothing to do with the West Coast of California, but it's just, that's not what they're used to walking up and looking at, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> they're off POA. And come back here because for for a good putter or some like his where it's like I don't know man like I hit this you know in two thousand and whatever team I hit a putt from four feet on whatever like the thing with good putters and say poa right is like they they like insulted when they pure one and don't go in so it, you know what I mean? so so it's when like, they yeah. have a bad experience on poa it resonates in their mind forever I think so. So I think like kids go somewhere where he's like, like there ain't no way that ball should have gone left, or like I pured that thing. I pured two point nine billion putts in my life. I know what a good one is and when I missed it, when I didn't hit it solid, didn't pure, didn't roll right, right, didn't come off right like it's supposed to. Like I get this heavy hit and this thing takes off rolling four feet, hit some crap and bounced out and lipped out. He's like, I ain't, we ain't playing a fair game anymore. 
Like, this ain't even a talent contest anymore. F this place. Mm-hmm. You know? And then that kind of snowballs, I feel like. And before long, it's like, I hate POA. And then ain't no doubt that deal's a huge deal. Yeah. I've never had anyone do anything on the West Coast, right? Brownie almost won Riviera, led putting. You know, like, finished second in putting for the week or whatever. Well, and then he played well at Tory. Tory almost won, you know, did basically everything yeah. with it. But, like... Honestly, like if you took Brownie's bag out off my little wall over there, I don't really have anything to stand on. West Coast. West Coast, yeah. You know, and I think that that's a big part of it hmm. because it's just it's it's different, right? So everybody's kind of resistant to change anyway. So like, okay, I go try this weird grass, no big deal. And somebody like kid or whoever hits a putt and the thing bounces around, like f this, yeah, I mean, this ain't golf, you know. So I don't think, literally, if they didn't know what the... Like, if you could make it, if they were over there and you could paint it, like Palmetto's number two or whatever green... Yeah, oh, yeah. You'd never hear of it. Hmm. You know, but when they see it, it's like, all right, here's something, like, I'm, I'm like, however many hours from the house. Everybody talks different. They tax them too much. <laughs> Gas you know is too mean? expensive. Gas too expensive. <laughs> I'm the minority. And then this green looks weird. It's like, all right, I'm in. So, all right, I can deal with that. We're playing a million bucks. I hit a putt and it doesn't do the right thing. It's like, done. Kill me. I'll Check out. Me. Get me yeah. out of here. And then they start dreading going over there and it just kind of snowballs. Where the actual grass or the actual green, in my mind, is like a, such a smaller piece of the mm-hmm. big picture. All right, JT, before we go, we've got to have a couple stories. Like, mm. I want, like, Life on the road, like PJ Tour coach stories. I can imagine the kids would make me want to do some crazy shit kids one day. Kids would make me want to hurt somebody. Like I feel yeah. like he would be pissing me off one day where I would want to just. Yeah, is kids the biggest asshole that you teach? <laughs> well, uh, so I mean that with all due respect. With all due respect, kids, kids is the most. I always say he's the most lovable asshole on the planet. He is. I could see that. That's right. lovable asshole. That's a great. I, word. I, that's how I kind of describe Pat. Master so week, especially. You know, I kind of like asshole, that too. but he's my asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you love your own asshole. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he's, my, he's an asshole, but he's my asshole. <laughs> so when you get out on tour, we're in this war together. So I, you know, if you're out on tour, like like you're at an event, like is it just all business for you? Or is there some fun? And if there is, are you hanging out? With, if you're hanging, are you hanging out with kids or other coaches or what is it like when you're on tour for for an event? Yeah, I think it's tough to do what I do and have and be. So you, you got these two things you're balancing one one where they need to you know do their thing, have their life, and you have yours. But then at the same time, it's like you can't. I don't think you can be good at what I do and not be invested into the guys that you work with, you know. You can't, the hour, like we were talking about earlier today, like the hour lesson model, like how broken that is. Like you can't, you can tune somebody up to some member to go and play a little better or whatever in an hour. You can't really help anybody. Hmm. Uh, Long term. So... For me, it's like, yes, we spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time with my guys on the road. We go out to a bunch of dinners together. You know, we do a lot of stuff together. Um, 
And I think you, it's hard not to. And for me, when I'm out there with them, like I, I do, I, like you want to be, you want to be around them a lot because you talk about stuff at dinner that you didn't talk about. You have two, to, you have two different associations to the day, right? You have one when you're there, and you're in the middle of it, and you're hitting balls, and you're the roller coaster, or you're the genie, right? Like D here. He's really like the mad genie. I'm actually kind of happy that I'm the genie. I, yeah, yeah, because like, I kind of thought I was the teacher. Because I kind of know what I, I know where I'm screwed up. Told me, but I know what I'm screwed up at. It's self awareness. That's right. But you, but you did, you know, you did, you did kind of go. This is like I, I know that I go over here and I whatever, jump and high handle. Mm -hmm. But am I wrong? No, no, you're not. I'm not wrong. I'm just self aware. You're, you are aware that you run over here. This is, oh my god, this is so, god, fuck, fucking that. You're like just giving yourself all the you're John, you're making him you're giving him all this stuff, like making his head bigger than it already is. The self awareness is not like a good quality. Like you're making that sound like a good quality. Well you're Look self Well yeah. you're self aware. Yeah. Guess what? That's not a good quality in David. But self aware is a great quality. But not for you. It's a great quality for anybody. But did you know You being self-aware means that you're that you're being a jackass is what it means. No, it doesn't. Hey, but did you notice how fast like David kind of knew like when I tried to talk about it, right? He's like, yeah, like no crap. I mm -hmm. jump on run over in front of it, right? Head gets all in front of my lower body. Mm -hmm. Might have break my arm mm -hmm. if I hit the golf ball. So I like I'll pass on that. I'm just going to jump up. I'm going to stall and jump backwards and flip it, right? But did you see how disappointed he was in the first five minutes <laughs> that he couldn't change a motor pattern in five minutes? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, he was. Like, he was so mad. Whereas I have some patience, up. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, more the patient. time was up. The kids are here. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, we're just now getting into this, and now I got to go do this. And well, because Pat, Pat sucked up all the damn time. Pat gets way more attention. That's right. Whatever oh, else. Doesn't matter, right? I'm over here working my butt off. I'm sweating trying to get content, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, anyway. he was quickly, he was so disappointed that we had anyway. to go and put suits on. Like, kids throw balls at our, at our balls. In my <laughs> kids throw nuts. balls at our balls. <laughs> yeah. At Pat's balls. Hey, look, kids throw balls at Pat's balls. <laughs> that cut, okay, that so cut into his time. It really did. He was it really so did. mad about it. And tomorrow it. I'm going to go play Cuscawilla and I'm going to be all over the place. Because... I, Pat's gonna be like waxing me. Yeah, he's just got an hour and a half lesson with a PJ Tour coach, and I'm over here like, oh well, all I got is the same video I've always had. Just, well, that's your fault, not mine. Triple H. Anyway, um, in, either way, stories on tour is where yeah, we're yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. About oh yeah, this. sir. So all right, <laughs> Michael Kim born in South Korea. Moved over here, San Diego, or ish, yeah. when he was young. So, like, now he's the most American, great, you know, English-speaking guy you could ever run across, right? What are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? I'm just wondering why it's not moving with it. Just don't worry about it. Anyway, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's 
start over? No. Most English speaking. So Michael Kim's born in South Korea, moves over here, and he's like six or seven years old. I'm probably messing his story up, uh-huh. so whatever. And um, so you look at Michael Kim, he looked, he couldn't look, you know, look. He's obviously Asian, <laughs> and but he's like he's as American as we are, right? And um, he, he he tells me a story about when he's it's like if he's traveling around. Uh, if he's gone this flight to this flight to this flight and then finally catch an Uber trying to get to the hotel call up an Uber and um, when they try to start a conversation like he's not into it like, <laughs> I know where this is going. Yeah. so like if he's not into it he's worn down you know worn out beat down whatever <laughs> he he has this thing where he'll pretend that he doesn't speak English. <laughs> I knew that was true. <laughs> so, so, so even though his name is Michael Kim, right, I guess the Uber guys aren't smart enough to go like Michael Kim, whatever. And um, You don't want to be offensive. Right. I, mean, I can understand. Yeah. So they'll be like, so... Of course yeah. you can't eat liberal fuck. Yeah. So, <laughs> so where are you coming in? So where are you coming in from? Right. <laughs> He'll say, uh, uh, you need to edit that out. Yeah, yeah. So hop, so hop in an Uber, and then like, if you didn't feel like talking, worn out, whatever. That's this, you know, the second they try to engage conversation, like, so where are you coming in from? And he'll say, uh, uh, no, uh, no, no, speak English. And he says, he says, he tells me that the hands is an important part of the... Yeah, the hands are very important. That's a big very move. important, like, don't hurt me. <laughs> I'm not from here. <laughs> I mean, uh, come in peace. You know? Like, <laughs> hey, don't hurt me. No, uh, no, speak, no speak English. No, no speak English. Right. Yeah, you gotta wave it off. You gotta wave it, mm-hmm. wave it off, so... <laughs> and then, um, let's see... Who has the worst agent of all your guys? Oh my god. <laughs> That's actually a good question. That's a good question. You probably can't answer. Yeah, not like uh, you gotta work with all of them. You gotta work with all the agents. Let's see. And we don't even, you know, it's funny because we don't even go through a lot of agents. Yeah, we don't. So, kids, we've never gone through Well, Butler. Agents. We know Butler. He's a great guy. But but Butler's we've not, never had to go through him. Not he, for kids. It's Butler, his Cajun, because uh, yeah. He's his Cajun, yes. Is he his Cajun? <laughs> we never had to go through him. His Cajun. Yeah, his, his Cajun, no. He is his Cajun. Uh, Butler's a good Cajun. <laughs> um. JT, thanks, brother. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. You got it, my man. It's been a good time. It has been a good time. It's a very good podcast. A lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun.